From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Mayan Silver. Today we're speaking with Jeff Mayers, president of WIS Politics, about what you need to know this key midterm election year. Here's our conversation. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for filling in for JR. Absolutely, Mayan. Glad to be here. Great. So it's been a big week in Democratic U.S. Senate primary race. First, Outagamie County Executive Tom Nelson dropped out. Then Bucks exec Alex Lazary did the same. Then State Treasurer Sarah Godlewski. Those three were pretty much the main opposition to Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. Do you know how this came about and why these candidates all dropped out? It's extraordinary. I mean, I don't remember anything like this. The only thing close was when Mark Green and Scott Walker were running on the Republican side for governor in a primary for the nomination to go up against Jim Doyle after his first term. And Walker dropped out of that primary and paved the way for Mark Green to battle Jim Doyle, and he lost to Jim Doyle. But it's extraordinary, I mean, to have these campaigns, two of which were self-funded by millions of dollars uh, out of the candidates' own pockets, Lazary and Godlewski's, to just fold here. You know, I suspect that there's pressure from D.C. Folks in D.C. and the senatorial committee, they're anxious to get on with the campaign against Johnson. This is a very vulnerable Republican, and they want to take him out. They need this seat to expand the majority. So it's a nationally important seat. And so I think that that could be a play, although none of the campaigns are saying that, you know, a Democratic strategist we talked to said no, you know, the campaigns arrived at this independently. But I don't think there's any doubt the, the gap for Mandela Barnes was widening. It was widening. And unless these candidates wanted to go negative, they didn't have a chance. And if they went negative, they would have giant backlash from the base. The most recent Marquette Law School poll found that Johnson was slightly trailing Barnes, and Johnson has had some headwinds as an incumbent, even though it's probably a good year for Republicans. But Republicans are arguing that Johnson has been underestimated before and won. What do you think about this matchup, Johnson v. Barnes? Well, you know, first off, I don't think anybody's underestimating Ron Johnson. He beat Feingold twice, and in in the rematch, His Republican colleagues in D.C. gave up on him. And it was only because there was a PAC funded in large part by Diane Hendricks, the Beloit billionaire, that he was able to survive. You know, if we wanted to use a sports term, he's a good finisher. And his ads are usually really good. He comes comes across well in the ads. And he has the benefit of always having run in Republican years. Now, we're not sure this is a Republican wave year, but certainly it had been setting up that way until recently. And so he has the benefit of that. I would rate this a toss-up race. I think that most people would probably rate it a toss-up race. But this is a base versus base election. And I think that uh, it's up to each candidate and uh, each party to excite their voters in the general. So Barnes is a progressive, having voiced support for Medicare for All and Green New Deal. Ron Johnson is hard right, trying to appeal to the MAGA base and also the more old school Republicans in the suburbs. For people who haven't been following the races, how would you contrast key elements of Johnson's and Barnes's ideologies? Well, in politics, uh, you know, campaigns always say they want a contrast. So it's a great contrast. I think uh, one of the models for Barnes to follow is the Tammy Baldwin model. She is very progressive. She was for the version of Medicare for All when she first ran. 
And that was deemed to be, you know, far left. What Tammy Baldwin has been able to do is advocate for those kind of ideas, but at the same time, appealing to the blue collar or to a mainstream working class Democrats who tend to stray in these elections, you know, sometimes. The last time she ran, she ran well ahead in her, in 2018, ran well ahead of Evers and Democrats who won statewide. She ran well ahead of them. So that, I think, is a good model for Barnes. Now, he also has history on his side, like uh, Tammy Baldwin did. You know, she was the first openly gay U.S. senator. And, you know, he would be the first black U.S. senator in Wisconsin history. But he doesn't go around projecting that, that he's a history-making candidate. But I think that that will feed into some excitement for him. And as I said with uh, Johnson, I think that part of it is, you know, there's major votes where he's differed from Democrats. Just uh, recently, he differed on the China competition bill. He he said that that was a uh, a total sop for uh, industry, that, uh, you know, that was a big subsidy for industry. Well, yes, it is, but it has a national security element too. You know, he he did say, though, that he would uh, back the marriage equality bill uh, that passed the House with a lot of uh, support. And he will most assuredly oppose the Manchin-Schumer deal, if that does advance. And so there's a big contrast there. And then lurking out there for Johnson is the Trump connection. And yes, um, you know, he has often voiced a lot of the same things as Trump. Um, you know, the, the Democratic groups that have been trying to soften him up have not really repeating the things that he said. But I think that the Trump connection will weigh big in this, and uh, it could hurt Johnson in the Milwaukee suburbs. And that's where I think a lot of the Democratic firepower or, or advocacy will be targeted. So you mentioned Trump. That's a nice segue to the other big race that Wisconsin is preparing for. There's the Republican primary for Wisconsin governor. We've got two front runners: former Lieutenant Governor under Scott Walker, Rebecca Clayfish. We've got businessman Tim Michaels. And there have been some high-profile endorsements. Can you talk about those? Sure. Michael's a, uh, whose family runs Michael's Corporation, a giant construction firm. He's been backed by Trump. And Trump is making an appearance in Waukesha County on August 5th for him. Uh, Pence, uh, you know, Trump's vice president, who is preparing, it looks like, to run against Trump for the nomination in 24 with other Republicans, I think. He is uh, backing Clayfish. I think the What's going on there is a little bit of the Scott Walker connection. Scott Walker and and Mike Pence uh, have been close for many years. So, but will Pence, you know, endorsements matter when they're backed up with something. Money, appearances, rallies, publicity, all that. So we don't know uh, when we're recording this whether Pence is going to make a personal appearance or what exactly, you know, that entails. Clayfish has also been endorsed by... U.S. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, who won the Wisconsin primary when Trump was first running for for president. But again, endorsements matter if you can use them in a, in a way and you can generate support, get voters to the polls. And I think it will help. I, I you know, again, I think they're dis- important, but not necessarily decisive. On that Trump endorsement, your colleague, J.R., who's our regular correspondent on Capital Notes, he said that 
you know, Trump sees a little bit of himself in Michaels. He said because Michaels is a businessman, his corporation, quote, does big things and Trump loves big things. Um, you know, so do you agree with that? And why else is Michaels a Trump candidate? Well, I agree with that. Um, I do think Trump didn't endorse Clayfish. He had opportunities to endorse Clayfish, which would have helped her close the deal. I think there was a, an element of the party, though, the Republicans, who didn't think that Clayfish could win. And so um, they were looking for an alternate candidate. Remember, uh, uh, Trump was uh, suggesting Sean Duffy, the former uh, 7th District uh, congressman, the up north congressman, uh, who was a big supporter of Trump. And then Duffy... Yeah, uh, you know, had already moved to New Jersey, I think. Uh, so then along came Michaels, and he was encouraged by, I think the there's a sort of an anti-clayfish uh, part of the party, and they wanted somebody else and somebody that they could put before Trump, and I think that that's how that came to be. So uh, yeah, it's a very high-profile endorsement. The you know his high-profile endorsements have been mixed so far. I think that. Some Democrats think they like the idea of running against a Trump-endorsed uh, candidate. So we'll see how that all plays out. But, you know, so far, I think his endorsement record in competitive races has been pretty mixed. Trump is holding a rally in Waukesha on Friday for Michaels. What are you expecting at this rally? And do you think that Michaels saying in last week's debate that he will not prioritize decertifying the 2020 election and instead will focus on this year, 2022, will impact that in any way? Well, it seems that Trump is uh, firing uh, most of his missiles at Robin Voss, the Assembly Speaker, who has a competitive primary as well on August 9th. I think that Trump's rallies, if we judge by what uh, we've seen in the past and what he, the speech he gave in D.C., will be heavy, very heavy on the grievances from the 2020 campaign. This upsets many Republicans because they want to look forward. I think Pence said that in his speech in D.C. on the same day. It's like, you know, I think Republican operatives in the state in general want, uh, you know, their candidates to talk about the future, not the past. And so, you know, will Trump unendorse uh, Michaels? Uh, you know, I don't think so. But I think Trump will mostly be talking about his election in 2020, not necessarily Michaels' uh, election coming up. So for voters who haven't been following, what be, would be the key impacts in general of having a Republican governor in office in 2023, whether it's Clayfish or Michaels, versus the incumbent Democrat, Tony Evers? Well, we expect a Republican majority in the legislature, you know, as we have had. The new redistricted maps are maps that Republicans drew. So it would be a huge upset if Democrats were to somehow win one of these houses in a Republican year. Probably not going to happen. So part of what you'll hear from Tony Evers is in the Tony Evers campaign is Evers is the one person standing in the way of all these crazy ideas, crazy right wing ideas. And I think that if there is a Republican governor, there is no a filter, if you will. There'd be certainly be a lot of things that Tony Evers vetoed that a Republican governor would sign. And for voters who haven't been necessarily following, what are those top, you know? Well, some of those um, things are the election changes, you know. Um, not all of them were necessarily Trump-inspired, but Evers and Democrats labeled them as undermining turnout and making it hard for people to vote. So, you know, that's that's certainly uh, one thing. And, you know, for those who um, you're watching the January 6th hearings, et cetera, and they're worrying about uh, democracy, if there was a controversy... Uh, you know, surrounding the electoral college vote, would a 
conservative Supreme Court, state Supreme Court, a conservative governor and a conservative legislature, that would um, probably scare a lot of people. So I think that that could be something that um, encourages Democrats to go out and vote for Evers. So, yeah, I think it would be a it'd be much uh, much different environment. It'd be a very pro-Republican environment. All right. Well, that's a lot to think about, Jeff. And um, you've done you've been a big help. Thanks for filling in for JR. And thanks for joining me on Capital Notes. Absolutely, Mayan. I'm certainly happy to do it. Listen for our segments every Monday and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Bye.